Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 67 of the Holding Court podcast. It's marathon week, and I'm chatting with one of the most inspirational runners in the community. My guest today is Jocelyn Rivas. We'll chat about her journey to becoming the youngest Latina to run 100 marathons and becoming the Guinness World Record holder of the youngest woman to 100 marathons. I'm tired just saying that sentence, but we'll hear all about all the obstacles that she had to overcome to get to that finish line. All coming up right now on Holding Court. Welcome, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I know it's LA Marathon. Well, every week is Marathon Week for you, but uh, I know how much of a huge time commitment is. So thank you for carving out some of your day to chat with me. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me, Courtney. I'm so excited to talk with you. (laughs) I'm excited too. So I don't think I realized how much went into running a marathon when it first started, but you've run a hundred now. Well, how many is it exactly? I know it's Uh, more than a (laughs) hundred. Yeah, right now it's at 110. So 10 more, but yeah. Just in case they like cancel some of the ones (laughs) along the way, you have to make sure you (laughs) still have your record. So you're obviously probably pretty efficient at it by now, but what does race week leading up to the marathon look like for you? Uh, Race week, uh, you know, right now I'm really just relaxing, if anything, you know, I'm really like resting. I'm like, you know what, everything that you've done in your training is done. There's really not much you can do now. And just, you know, kind of like take care of your legs and, sleep a lot. So that's literally what I've been focusing on this week. That's so hard for me because Justin left for spring training in Arizona. And I just, for whatever reason, I'm such a baby. I just don't sleep well when I'm home alone. (laughs) And so I need to figure out how to sneak in some naps during the day because that's the one thing. I'm hydrating. I've got my hydration down, but I'm not sleeping well. And I, you know, I'm going for that PR. So I got it. You're going to get it. I think, you know, regardless of the sleep, I mean, it's good. It helps. But, you know, it's funny for me. It's like doing my journey of 100 marathons. The less I slept, the faster I ran, of course. But I think it was because I hadn't slept enough that I was just trying to get done with the run. But, (laughs) yeah, I know it's good. At the end of the day, like, I did feel the difference whenever I slept, like, eight hours instead of sleeping, like, one or two hours. But, Yeah. yeah, it's definitely good for your body. Yeah. I just laugh at like how much I've changed as a marathon runner and I'm sure you do the same, but the first time I ran, I wore shoes out of the box, which anyone that's not a marathon runner, that's the cardinal rule is don't change anything on race day or race week. Don't introduce any new food or anything. And I actually met the very first time I was running the marathon, I ran into a Boston runner, which is like the pinnacle of marathons is like running Boston and I was just asking him I think we're in line waiting for our bibs or waiting to take a photo on the photo wall and I was like any tips for a first timer and thinking he's gonna tell me about like a cool like fuel or like oh just enjoy it he freaks me out and starts asking me if I have like scheduled my bowel movements and like when <laughs> like if I knew when I was gonna go to the bathroom like before the ra- and I'm like I'm 
I'm not scared. I don't like, you have to schedule that. Like, what am I doing? Like, and like, I'm just, I was just hoping to go at some point before the race and not during the race. Like that was my schedule. (laughs) And so it's just funny. Like you look back at everything you've learned and I think I honestly wore like a mesh sports bra, which like is not good for the nips. And I don't know. It's just, look at me now. I'm like, (laughs) I care care about my socks and like all of this. And I'm like body gliding every like nipple labia, everything like in between and like leading up to the race. I have my whole schedule. It's just funny. Like, do you just laugh at all the stuff you've picked up along the way and you think back to your first race and like, did you do anything ridiculous the first time? And you're like, how did I think that was cool? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so funny when you share that because I'm like, I can relate so much to it, you know? I think as you keep running, you learn a lot of that. And yeah, definitely, you know, I made one of those rookie mistakes when, you know, you just take the shoes out and you go run and you're like, oh my goodness, like in the race, I'm like, this is not a good plan. But I think those are the lessons that you need sometimes. And then you're like, okay, I'm never doing this again. Uh, For me, it was kind of funny. Sometimes, like, I would go ahead and I knew about things ahead of time. Like, I knew I should add glide here or I should go ahead and do certain things like warm up. But, you know, I think after doing so many, I'm just like, ah, you know, it's it's another one. I'm just going to go ahead and go with it. But then, obviously, once you're done with the uh, marathon, you're like, man, I should have put a neck light on. I should have, and then you end up suffering more. But it's definitely, I agree, it's definitely something that helps a lot throughout the way so that it gets easier while you're running and you're not focusing on whatever's going on with your body. If it's, you know, having to wear KT tape or having to go ahead and wear compression socks and not having them on, things like that. It's definitely helpful. And it has helped me, like, get to 100, but... Yeah, it's, it's sometimes I'm always uh, kind of like crazy person. Oh, you know what? Let's go without it. Let's see how it's out there. Bad move. I know it's, I don't know if it was part of me just not thinking I was in the marathon community, which I still, I think this is the first race where people have said, oh, you're a marathon runner. And I'm like, I guess no. like it still feels weird because you're not in the elite field and you just feel, I don't know, for me, I'm like, I guess I run them and I guess, yeah, I guess I'm a marathon runner, but I feel weird that people are going to assume if I say I'm a marathon runner, they think I'm finishing in three hours and I don't, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I should just lean into it and just say that I'm a marathon runner loud and proud. But I think in the beginning, I just was like, I don't. Like, why do I need to do all that? Like, I'm not one of the serious runners, but I think whether you're finishing in two hours or nine hours, it's stuff you have to think about. I actually think that we might be the premier athletes because we're able to run for five hours. (laughs) Like, those people get to be done in two hours. Like, we're out there when it's getting hot outside, which I've been stalking the weather for Sunday. It's so weird because it's true. It's like one of the things that, I got inspired a lot during my 100. It wasn't the people in the front that inspired me at all. It was always the last finishers. Like, sometimes I will finish, like, mid through the marathon, so, like, around, like, five hours. And so there were still people behind me. Sometimes I'll finish, like, at four-something. But sometimes I would just wait around and wait for everyone to finish. Just because, you know, I was in a different city waiting for everyone. And I was like, uh, let's see who's the last finisher. And normally the last finishers are definitely, I think, they inspire me a lot more because they're out there longer. You have to kind of put it in perspective. Like they're out there longer. They're suffering a lot more. And, you know, many people kind of 
in a way like say oh you know it's not as hard but it is even harder you know because it's still yeah. 20.2 miles and you're out there longer if anything yeah it's I think it's one of the things where I'm like wow like this is inspiring and it has inspired me so many times it's like there was this one marathon I ran um in Utah and it was about this lady who was like towards the end of the marathon and I think she was around like 60 years old and she just happened to decide to run the marathon. She was training for it. And then she was like, I guess she was coming close to the time limit, which was, I think, six or seven hours. And then at that time, um, just uh, there was like a prisoner volunteer who was out there cleaning the streets. And he just saw the lady and he decided to help the lady finish the marathon. I so it's like things like that. You're like, wow, like the last finishers have sometimes like the most powerful stories out there. Yeah, I'm always je- jealous of Justin because he's waiting at the finish line and he just describes so many of the like the people that come across the finish line, like the people that just stumble over the finish line or their friends holding them up or they just drop to their knees and just start thanking God for finishing and that's always my thing. The first year I did it, I didn't really train. I think I tra- I finally started training. <laughs> but the first one I did in 6:48, which I just said, I hope that they don't open up the streets before like I finish and like the street sweepers behind me. And I'm just like looking over my shoulder (laughs) and I actually was so embarrassed by my time that I didn't even, I had all my finish line photos, but the time was in the background and I'm like, I can't post these. Like I'm a fraud. Like I finished in like seven hours, but then I realized that's the way to do it because now I can only go, I have so much window to PR. Like people are going to just assume that I'm I'm, I run it in seven hours. And I'm like, oh, look at me doing it. In <laughs> but it is true. Like so, like just so much inspiration across the course and you just see people like struggling and like digging deep. And it's, I don't know, it's a whole world that I just, I'm glad I'm a part of, but I just had no idea about it yeah. before I really like submerged myself into it. I definitely agree. It's, I think it's one of the things where you're like, wow, like uh, I think going ahead and kind of like, running your marathon like kind of slow or like going ahead and running it slower it literally helps you because every time you go out there you're gonna PR most likely you know and so it's gonna help you so much mentally too you know because you kind of also see your improvement as a runner um for me it was like the opposite I think I ran my marathon way too like like too like I was just going for time my first marathon I was mm-hmm. like, ah, I just want to get done with this and literally when I finished I did a 4.30, and for the next couple, five years, I had I was not able to get it down. So I spent five years running and running trying to get it down, and for some reason, I couldn't get down. So I called it this. Um, I had basically this. I, I basically said it's something that's always going to haunt me. I'm not going to PR. It's five years. And finally, after five years, I finally PR. But, yeah, it's definitely, you know, I think it's better for you to go ahead and you know, enjoy the first one and then it helps you PR the rest of the couple of years coming up ahead. I should have shared my secret with you to start <laughs> incredibly slow and then you can only go up from there. <laughs> and it's not slow at the end of the day, you know, it's just, you know, you're enjoying it out there and at the end it's 26.2 miles. Things are bound to happen out there. And at the end it's just crossing that finish line. That's the main goal. Yeah, I actually got really sick the week before and I went to the doctor to just think he's going to like give me a Z-pack or something. And he's like, okay, just rest. Like, don't do anything for like 10 days. I'm like, what about a marathon in three days? (laughs) 
And he is like, I'm sorry. I'm like, never mind. You didn't hear anything. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm like snot, like everything. It was just not the right combination, but I did it. And then obviously everything went up from there and I learned a lot, but I want, so my goal today, I want to share your story with as many people as possible. Cause I just think it's incredible and it's just a tale of perseverance and well, first of all, say your, cause I think this is really, this is beyond cool. Cause honestly, I think the Guinness book of world records, I always just thought of as well, a, the like museum on Hollywood Boulevard of like, <laughs> just like wild things like the world's tallest man and all of this. And it's not something you grow up and you ever think you're going to break a Guinness world record, but say your official Guinness world record before we get into your journey there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, right now it's still pending verification. So, you know, we're still waiting for the verification on it, but uh, the record that I went ahead and um, ran these home marathons was for becoming uh, the youngest, woman to run 100 marathons. I also applied for becoming the youngest adult uh, to run 100 marathons. I recently found out that basically the youngest person Guinness World Record doesn't uh, encourage it. So I'm going for the youngest adult as they're looking for someone that's over 18 years old to break that title. And the other one uh, is just a world record, which is the youngest Latina to run 100 marathons. Do we have to make any phone calls to push these records through? Oh God, I'm like, you know, it's, it's just, I think it's just, they came back and they're like, oh, we're needing a bit more information on this. So I sent it back and it's like, a, it's like every single time you respond, it's like, you're going to wait eight weeks. So oh it's kind of like, like kind of like a two month break in between. So yeah, in between responses. So yeah, hopefully I get it soon, but it does take, I was reading and reaching out to other Guinness World Record holders and they're like, yeah, it takes about like six months to a year or over a year. And I'm like, oh my God, but then someone else is going to break it. I know. I don't, oh, no, they won't. <laughs> is anyone yeah. on your heels? Like, are you? Uh, you know, if anything, if it happens, you know, it's, it's meant, it, it was meant to happen. If anything, I would love to see someone else break it. So it's definitely, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then, you know. I know, but you still need your moment before someone else comes along and breaks it. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I was like, I mean, I would love to be part of the journey and see like how they get to 100. But yeah, definitely, you know, I hope someone else is able to break it soon. You know, I think that's like my whole thing. I wanted to inspire someone. Um, maybe it doesn't have to be 100, but like for them to go ahead and see like, you know, a crazy idea could become a reality. So I think, you know, hopefully someone is out there crazy enough they're like you know what I want to do it so hopefully really really crazy to fully I think grasp your story and everything that you've overcome this goes back to I mean you have to share when what your mom was told when you were born and what makes this just even like adds an extra layer to how incredible your story is yeah, I think, you know, I mean, many people always like, uh, I guess for me, it's just like something normal for me. But um, yeah, it's, I guess my, well, my mom's always, you know, she told me, she never told me until I turned eight. And so it kind of makes sense when I turned eight. But basically, she told me I was born with a broken back, neck and feet as a child in El Salvador. And so definitely, um, she was very poor. So there was no procedure that she could pay for. And also, um, she also had to work during this time a lot. But basically, during that time, 
um, I couldn't move my neck, I couldn't move my body. It was like almost like a year where I couldn't really move my body. And so whenever she wanted to carry me, she would have to carry me with the pillow as that was part of like the physical therapy, uh, kind of like going ahead and giving the support for the backbone um, and like basically the spine. And yeah, and she says just, I couldn't turn my neck around at all. And so obviously she had to work. So sometimes whenever like she needed to go, like um, she had me in her workplace. So she worked in a restaurant. So she had like an available room there. And she said she would take out the pillow out. So I would stop crying. And then obviously sometimes she would, she wouldn't come back until like in a while and just to check up on me. But uh, whenever like the pillow was taken out of me, she says like, I would stop crying. So obviously she did that often, you know, <laughs> you're working, you don't want to hear your baby crying. So she took the pillow often. And so whenever she went to like physical therapy, they would tell her, um, oh, here comes the lady, the lady that never puts the pillow on her daughter. Oh, no. And then they would kind of like tell her like, you know, like if you want your daughter to get better, you need to put the pillow at all times. And, you know, my mom's a bit stubborn. I am too, but, um, you know, everyone's in the family. But <laughs> she was just like, oh, like, what are we going to do? Like, I guess she kind of felt like, you know, when I was born, they told her, like, they were going to try to see if I could potentially have my body back, kind of like go back. But if not, most likely there's a chance that I wouldn't be able to walk. And if by any chance there was a possibility that I could walk, I wouldn't be able to, like, walk normally you know like I would need some sort of support and so I guess my mom was kind of like in a place where she just didn't feel like I guess much fighting for in a way she, like she was helping me but she was like like you know she's gonna be sick like you know like I might as well just take the pillow out yeah but I think you know uh luckily somehow my mom calls it a miracle but um, my body was able to fight back and then like after a year uh, almost like almost a year after um, she went back to therapy and they told her like you know they checked me every time I went in I went in once a week um, and then she would travel like two hours to get there to the capital and they told her um, you know her body's coming back together like what did you do and she's I haven't done anything <laughs> that was my mom she's I haven't done anything you know and then she's like just take the pillow out <laughs> But it's it's a funny story in a way for us because you're like, oh my god, here you go taking the pillow out, be the being the bad mom. But um, yeah, I think um, it was more like a miracle happened, and then my body just started to get back together. And then I think as time went on, like a year and a half later, my body was able to get back together. And kept going into the hospital in and out, had a lot of, but then. Um, yeah, mom, like my sister tells me like, oh, like I started walking like when I was four years old around that age instead. So it did take me a while to start like, you know, kind of like walking around and stuff. But yeah, now now I'm running. So definitely grateful for this body. And I think that's one of the things like I always look back and I'm like, like sometimes I'm not just doing this for myself, but I'm doing it for all those people who can't do it. Because I'm like, I think in a way I feel in a sense like, you know, this could be at some point something like I cannot, I can't do anymore. So I'm just taking it day by day and going out there and just putting. I'm just in awe. It's you, you are a miracle. You're not just a walking miracle. You're a running miracle. It's to go from your mom getting that, 
just crushing news when you're little thinking, oh, your daughter might not be able to walk without, were they like alluding like wheelchair, like that kind of support? Essentially, yeah. So that was the support that I was going to have. And if by any chance, like, okay, I got on the wheel. So they gave her like different scenarios, like, okay, if by any chance this happens, but kind of like telling her like, you know, there is a possibility. We're not going to say like there isn't, but it's just going to be very hard to get there, you know? to even get to those stages. And so um, I guess my mom was kind of hard because she also had two other daughters she had to take care of. So she was just, and she was like a single mom too. So at that time she was just like in a very hard place, but you know, she got out of it. And luckily, you know, I think, yeah, it's a miracle for me. It's a miracle. I'm like, and for her is too. Cause she's like, I still don't know how it happened. <laughs> then like, I feel like, you know, um, the human body it's very very impressive in how it works sometimes and it's definitely some like the body is just so strong yeah and obviously seeing where you get your well you're multitasking your mom going working and raising daughters and getting you you know the medical care that you need just impressive family I just, I'm, blo- I'm blown away, you know, just, I mean, to just accomplish what you've accomplished on your own, but then to know like the obstacles that you faced along the way, I'm just, I'm in awe of you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I was just like, oh, well, like, here we go. And yeah, she told me when I was eight years old, because I kept complaining about my back pains and neck pains. And I was like, like a lot, like I wake up in the morning and like, I already have a pain. Then I'll be in the middle of the day. I have the pain and then at night. So it was getting like a lot. And I think that was because my body was developing. It was growing. And then now like, um, you know, throughout the years, I still have pain. But um, now it's a lot less, a lot less than it was before. And I think that's just because I'm getting older. And I think my body has stopped from, you know, developing as much as it was. I mean, I'm now 25. So (laughs) it's time, you know. But um, yeah, definitely couple first years um it was hard but you know it's just something I had to go through and I think you know it was I always say it's just something that had to happen to me to kind of like appreciate other things a bit more yeah definitely wow so you come to California from El Salvador which is now a whole other set of challenges for you what was that experience coming here as a young child uh, yeah, I think, you know, one of the first things it was just like, I didn't know any English at all, nothing at all. And so coming to uh, school, it was one of the things that I was uh, like, I was super scared to even start school. And my teacher was African American. So he literally didn't know any Spanish at all. And he said, I can't help you. And I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like that relationship. But honestly, like, that was one of the best teachers ever. Like, he tried so hard, and it's funny because, like, coming from El Salvador, I had already gone to first and second grade there, so when I came here, they they put me back in first grade, um, and the reason why I advanced in El Salvador was because I was really good in math, really, really good, so then when I came here, um, and then I went to first grade, I was, like, the first kid who always finish, finishes, like, the math problems, <laughs> always, because I understood it, you know, yeah. but when it came to English, I was like the last one that like the bell rang and I still was working on it. But uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it was definitely 
hard learning English. I think that was the thing. But um, it took me five years to get out of it, like out of this program that kind of says, okay, you're finding a profession and you know English and you can kind of like defend yourself with the language. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, luckily I was able to find a good group of friends who, you know, were in the school and they were able to help me out whenever like I was struggling with things in school. But I think, you know, definitely, you know, this journey wasn't just me myself, but it took a lot of people and a lot of people helped me to, you know, kind of like get better in school and then just be able to kind of like adapt as well um, into basically being in a new country and seeing things a lot, kind of in a way, I think it was a lot easier because it was all though I had to walk to school and to walk, I think like it was like, I don't know how, I think maybe half a mile. I would have to walk very short distance, not long at all. Now we look at it. (laughs) We're like, oh, that's nothing. (laughs) Definitely. I think it was very short distance. Maybe it was 10 minutes. I remember it was like a 15 minute walk. So I'm like, maybe it was a mile. I'm like, I don't think I was walking a mile in 15 (laughs) minutes at that age. So I'm like, I'm sure it was like half a mile around there. But yeah, I think one of the things it was just like, um, I think I just, I was very small. Luckily, I was six years old, so I think I kind of, like, you know, looked at it in a different way. Um, I think if I would have came, like, at an older age, it would have been a lot harder, but luckily I came, like, at six years old. Yeah, and what was the adjustment like? I know, so your mom was here first, and then you came, you came later? Yeah, so funny, yeah, so funny story, I met my mom until I came here, so I met her until I was six years old. Um, you know, sometimes like in El Salvador, they would tell me like my, I grew up with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. So they would tell me, oh, you know, like your mom called. And I was like, oh yeah, like this person called mom called, you know, <laughs> like I had no idea that I had a, like another mom or like a real mom. And, you know, I saw my grandma as my mom the whole time. And so obviously I came here and then my mom was like, oh, well, throughout the way, it took me 15 days to get um, from the U.S., I mean, from El Salvador to the U.S., and in those 15 days, my sister, my sister kind of explained to me, like, you know, you're going to go see your mom, your, our grandma is not your mom, so it was kind of like a process, a lot of crying, oh a lot of, you know. Like, who is this I, lady everyone keeps talking about that's my mom? Like, I have a mom, what do you- she I'm like yeah so then I met her um I met her uh obviously once I was able to get here and I met her in front of a McDonald's you know kind of like American dream with right that's my American dream it's just eating eating some fries I'm like they should make a whole commercial about it you know uh yeah (laughs) yeah definitely it was kind of like um I met her and definitely it was it was like a moment where I from that moment, it was kind of like, we had like a hard, kind of like, it was hard, you know, because I, it was like, my sisters remember her, but I had no idea who this lady was, so it was hard for me to even say, like, she was my mom, you know, yeah. but um, after a while, you know, I got used to it, and I was like, okay, I accept it, she's my mom. Okay, I'll keep you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was, your mom left when you were, you were was- how old? Uh, two and a half, I think, or two around there. I think two or two and a half. Okay, yeah. so yeah, you don't really, yeah, you're not really grasping that. Wow, just something as a kid that like you go like I I can only imagine, and it's just like that was just your reality, and so like you didn't know anything different. So it's just wow, Jocelyn, just getting me. 
and all the feels. <laughs> so, okay. So you're here and you're, you know, kind of acclimating to everything and learning the language and finding, you know, your community and your, your space and all of that. Obviously you have, your mom lets you know of your, like your, obviously not, I mean, yeah, physical limitations that you're dealing with and like explaining, you know, some of your aches and pains that you probably just thought was just growing pains, but you obviously weren't into running, right? Or sports. Like what, how do you get, like, how do we jump from everything you have going on physically, body-wise into running, like, and just not even running marathons, but just even running in general? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, uh, since my mom told me at, you know, that age, I think it was eight, um, from there, like, you know, I had already limited myself to not even doing sports. And so I was kind of like, oh, it's like when it came to sports, I really wasn't doing it. And yeah, I would run like the one mile in, you know, middle school and high school, but that was it. It was mandatory. So I had to do that one mile. And I was always that girl who was like into robotics, into like math, so science. So I was all about that. Um, basically, I was all into my academics. And then um, I went to those, I think it was 2013, I went to the LA Marathon and I just went to go to your friend. Uh, mile 20, I think it was mile 20 or mile 18. So it's like when they start hitting the wall. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I know about it. Well, at this course now, that's when you see the finish line and you know you have to do like the down and back. And you're like, oh, hey, guys, finishing. I'll see you in an hour and a half. <laughs> you guys enjoy. Like, oh, longer, but you're like, I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I'm like, hopefully I get there. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So for me, I went to cheer and I saw people of all different ages. I saw people that were like 60, 70. And then I saw kids, part of the students when I lay. And they were like literally 12 years old. And I think I saw such a big difference like in the group. It wasn't just like one age. It was literally everyone, everyone, woman, man, everyone was included, you know. And I was just like, wow, anyone can run a marathon. And I think that was a point in my life. I was just like, like I asked myself, why is it that I'm not out there? And someone even asked me, like I was cheering. And they're like, how come you're not out there? And then. I was just like, I don't know, you know, obviously, but I'm like, I think that person kind of gave me that thought in my mind, like, why is it that you're not out there? And that's when I decided to sign up the next year. Um, well, not even the next year, it was just like six months later, I decided to sign up with the program Students Run LA, which helps you train for a marathon in six months. And also kind of like provides a lot of support with shoes, uh, races, and kind of like going ahead and having a mentorship program. So someone is able to coach you and you're able to have like the support through mentors. And so I think going ahead and joining that program, it definitely gave me the support I needed to even train for a marathon because I just went from literally doing no sports at all to just, oh, I'm going to do a marathon, you know, and I just decided to do that. And I think that was the way where I was just like, I'm going to go out there and run a marathon. And yeah, that's how it happened. (laughs) I remember the first time I saw LA Marathon set up and I was just annoyed at the traffic around my apartment and you saw it and you're thinking, I'm going to do this and go for it. So you sign up, you run your first marathon through the Students Run LA program, which they're everywhere. If you're out cheering this weekend, you will see these kids and 
I think they're in neon. Is it always like the neon green shirt or it's yeah, different? Yeah, it is. I think it's just so you could tell them apart and, you know, yeah. the, like people are able to see them out there. Yeah, you'll see them. It's really cool. And I love I, I think initially I just assumed it was students in L.A. and I didn't know that it came with the support, the community. You know, running marathons is a huge commitment. I It's a part time job. It's crazy. But just the commitment, like financially as well, is huge. So you run, you train, you run your first marathon and you think I'm just going to run 99 more. Like what is <laughs> like, do you initially think like, Oh, I'm on to something or you think, okay, that was cool. Like, did you enjoy running your first marathon? Yeah. I think the first one was definitely to this day. It's my favorite marathon. It was the day where I kind of like felt like, you know, I was just running like any other day, but this time it was a marathon and I came to mile 20 and I was like, oh my God, I'm really struggling, you know, really struggling. And I was just like, just gotta keep going, gotta keep moving forward. Gotta mm-hmm. keep. I had a timing goal. I was trying to do like a sub four, um, you know, rookie mistake. But Me too. you know, <laughs> and, yeah, it was super hot. It was like, I think it was like in the 90s. So it was definitely hot. And I was just like, like, I should have let go of that goal, like, and kind of like enjoyed the last miles a bit more. But I was just like, gotta keep pushing gotta keep pushing and yeah. I just kept talking to myself and then when I finally got to that finish line um you know I literally like I think I don't know I felt like the most amazing thing I have ever felt in my life I literally felt like I was on top of the world and I think that's what like my brain kind of like exploded and was like wow you can do anything yeah. like my mind was just like it grasped that moment and it was just literally I was like on cloud nine I was like I have never felt this good in my life and I can't believe I like I did it and I think that feeling was something that kind of gets you hooked oh yeah and it happened to me and I was like as soon like a minute later as soon as I crossed the finish line I was like when can I run my next one and I was just like literally right after crossing my first marathon obviously you know you start walking five minutes later you're like oh my god my legs are like starting to hurt now because obviously you stop running and you're like okay maybe not yeah <laughs> but just was, kidding. yeah definitely I think it was, that was the point where I was just like I like this and so every year I signed up and did one but it was nothing like with the record at any point um and then in 2017 um they go ahead and announce that DACA is basically uh, kind of getting canceled in a way so basically you're not able to reapply or renew uh, because they're canceling the program meaning that I would go back from being legal to just basically being legal meaning I would be able to go to like I able to go to college I'm able to work I'm able to basically kind of be have an apartment things like that I'm able to kind of like you know be independent and so at the end they three months later a judge goes ahead and um kind of like revokes it and then kind of like goes ahead and like oh we're going to continue DACA the only thing is that you can only renew but if you want to apply as a new like person you can apply but um at that point um before those three months before that judge came uh, I was like in a very dark place so many things were going bad in my life I wasn't doing good in school DACA was basically getting canceled and basically so many other things were going on in life and I was in bed and I really didn't want to get up I felt very stuck and I didn't want to go to classes so it came from that space where I was just I can't believe 
my life got to this point, I think I felt like a very like failure. Yeah. Like, you know, and I was like, I think it was like sophomore year of college or junior year of college. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe like this is my life. And at that point I decided, I remember that record, like, you know, throughout the running more marathons, I heard about records and stuff. And I was like, I remember that record of a hundred marathons. And then it just <laughs> like, I'm going to break the record. I think I have the time and I could do it like, you know, like my age wise, I was like, I think I could do it. And I think at that time I was like, it was 2017. I think, yeah, I think I was like probably like, I think 19 or 20. Yeah. And so, you know, I think so. Yeah, I think it was like, I think it was, yeah, I think it was 19 and 18. I don't even know. I'm like, I can't do the math now. You know, I'm not, I'm not good at math anymore. But <laughs> We left that behind. <laughs> We did. And then I was just like, okay, we're going to do it. And then um, that's how I started. It all started with the mission of kind of like proving that dreamers are here to do good. And we just want to dream and have the same opportunity. And essentially, you know, we just want to be able to continue the program. So that was like the whole mission. Obviously, after running 25 marathons, I was just like, I need a stronger mission because this is getting harder. And <laughs> I decided to go with a different mission. Um, and that point, it was basically to inspire women and girls because I think, you know, growing up, I never had anyone I could look up to. That was part of my community that I knew about where I could get inspired. So I was just like, you know what? Let me inspire girls and women to see that they could accomplish any crazy idea. Not even crazy. It doesn't even need to be crazy, but, you know. Any Yours idea. was crazy, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At all. they could accomplish anything at all and you know whenever I go hard I always remember my why I was like you're not doing this for yourself anymore you're doing this to go ahead and prove that anyone can do this like any girl could do it any woman can do it it was definitely what went ahead and helped me through the journey but um that's how it started you know being at the bottom worst time of my life but things like that happen sometimes yeah I think when you're at the at rock bottom you have a choice and you can you know, you could have sat with it and you chose to turn it into something beautiful and positive and inspirational and marathons. And I mean, you have to find your reason. And I always, you know, I run for our foundation and it's become more than that for me. And, you know, inspiring other people. I was never a runner. Like a mile was difficult. Like you said, in gym class, like we just did it to check the box. And when they were like, it's mile day, you're like, oh shit, it's mile day. Dang it. Like, how do I get out of this? I just straightened my hair. Like, what am I doing? Um, (laughs) and so, yeah, I think going through this community, which it's an incredible community. And even though I first met the Boston guy and he was a little like pretentious and made me nervous and made me feel like I didn't belong there. Like it, they truly do make everyone feel like they belong. And it's, yeah, it's just a, a a crazy space. And I love that you, you know, took your situation and turned it into something so incredible, but it was not without more challenges. Cause I feel like that is the theme of this, of your whole journey and just having to overcome everything. So you're going, you decide to run and do this all while working full time, I'm assuming, and going through the motions, but then so you're cruising and COVID hits. I imagine that's <laughs> not ideal. Yeah, it was definitely a question, you know, when COVID happened, I was very, I'm that kind of positive person where I'm like, oh, things are going to work out. It's okay. Like, you know, don't think about it. 
you know, things are bound to work out. When COVID hits, yeah, the last marathon I ran was LA Marathon 2020. And at that point, I was just like, okay, we're going to take a break, maybe two months. And you know what? I'll, I'll take it as rest. So I really was injured at that time. I was really, really injured. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll rest my body and it will help me. And I was like, I'll rest it all the time until, you know, races are back. And then four months passed by and races are still not back. So I'm still resting, no running, literally like very minimal. And I just keep searching up online and everything. And they're like, nope, cancel, cancel, cancel. And I had already registered for like, I was that year in 2020, I was planning to do 52 marathons. Um, in 52, uh, basically 52 marathons in a year, and just so that I could be done with the record. <laughs> and literally, I had registered for half of them, so I just got a bunch of emails, just cancel, 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 cancel. And I had already paid for it too. And they were some of them were not refunding oh it. Some of them were like, "Oh, we're gonna defer it to next year." So like, I don't like, need oh. it next year. I need <laughs> it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't need it next year. Like, I need it now. And it was kind of like. Yeah, I was kind of like, I cannot believe it because I'm losing a lot of money. And it was a lot of things going on with it, you know, because I have already done hotels. Some of them were like not refundable. Um, obviously, with COVID, things changed and some were able to give me back the money. But it was a lot of like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this is going on. And I was kind of like in disbelief, I think, and still trying to be positive. And at some point, I was just like, that's it. I only got to marathon 56. I think I had only done 56 at that time. Yeah. yeah, I was like, that's it. Only halfway through. There you go. And then, <laughs> obviously, I'm, I'm a bit stubborn. And I was like, <laughs> don't give up, Jocelyn. Do not give up. Yes. Not give up. And yeah, and I asked myself, like, how bad do you want it? Like, what are you willing to sacrifice? And obviously, it was going to be a big sacrifice because um, I, I mean, I was living with my mom, and so I was like, there is a chance that if you go out there and run and you find a marathon, you might get sick and then bring it back home. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of things going on through my mind. And finally, though, I, I heard about this Facebook group called uh, Finding Marathons During COVID-19. And Oh, yeah, it was it, in that, too. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm like, it took me a while. Oh my god! Oh man, literally though. I mean, for me, it was I was like desperate, but I think I was like member fifty something, member fifty something, and later on, it grew up to like thousands of runners. Obviously, everyone who was part of like the marathon maniacs community, those are people who run a marathon like almost every week or run marathons for fun, like back to back. And everyone was just desperate to get out there and find a marathon. And I, there was one that happened to be in August, and it looked like it was going to happen. But they only allowed 29 people or 30 people to register. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to sign up if I don't get my money, if it gets canceled, oh well. And it was in Minnesota. So I had never even been to Minnesota. I had done most of my marathons on the West Coast, yeah. just or. Washington, you know, uh, Arizona, Utah, all of them have been like on the West Coast. And I was like, I'm gonna go all the way to the East Coast for a marathon. All right, let's do it. And I decided to sign up and it came to like 
race weekend, it wasn't getting canceled. And so, yeah, I went ahead and booked my flights and I got there. And after I did that marathon, I started seeing more marathons going on. And obviously I have to check that these were certified official marathons, that they were mm -hmm. open to the public. I had to just make sure that they follow all the rules. There were some marathons that were available and they were just not certified. So there was no point of me going ahead and traveling, doing all the expenses and yeah. you know, finding out that, oh, it's not certified, so I can't run it. Uh, well, I could run it, but it's just not going to be What's count. the point if it's not for the world record? I mean, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> you know, I was just like, man, this sucks. No, but it was kind of like, it, it was harder. It made it even harder because there were some marathons going out during COVID-19, but they was just not certified. And that was because they couldn't get it for someone to come out and certify the course, or mm -hmm. they just couldn't go ahead and um, basically for some reason get it certified. Uh, some of them, they have it certified, but because of COVID-19, they had to switch the course. And then that means it was no longer certified. So it was a lot of communicating with like the race directors, a lot of emails. But luckily, you know, once I ran that one marathon in Minnesota, I was able to kind of like, find more marathons things started opening up a bit more in other states yeah. and my go-to marathons was like literally florida and texas literally that, that became like <laughs> my second wide home. open <laughs> i was just like oh my god and honestly very grateful for those states because if it wasn't for those states i wouldn't have gotten to 100 like yeah. on time. it was definitely those were the states that made it possible like after 56 because I was literally flying to Texas almost every week. Same, like, Texas, 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 or Florida, Florida. And luckily, I had a friend in Florida um, who was able to help me. And so sometimes I would stay in her place, and then she'll help me, like, go ahead and go to the race and, you know, cheer for me. Um, and then she, you know, I was able to get her in to run a marathon, like, just, you know, randomly. <laughs> It was good. It was, it was, it was definitely, I, I, I had fun with the journey, but it was a lot of stress like during COVID-19. But um, yeah, luckily I got through it. I remember just watching your Instagram stories and it was like the Jocelyn Chronicles of flying, like your flights would be canceled. The race would get canceled. Just like video of you like laying in an airport. Like, okay, this flight's canceled. I've been here for eight hours. I'm hoping I can get to number 79. And I'm like, oh, I was in bed like watching your stories. And I'm like, I'm exhausted just looking at everything that you're going through. And woof, I don't know. I don't know how you did it because... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was there, I mean, you obviously had the moment where you said it was over, but while you're going through going to Florida and Texas and squeezing in all these races after you had initially thought it was over through COVID, like, was there another point where you're like, I can't physically do this anymore? Or you just, that was, you just saw red and you just kept going. I think I saw, the, I saw a lot of red flags, you know, <laughs> obviously, no, I saw a lot of like, Oh no, like this is not going to get done. And I was just like, gotta keep pushing gotta keep moving just like in the marathon I saw it as a marathon you know it's gonna get harder at times as you're going up at the miles I saw like the marathons as a mile so I was like okay um whenever I complete a marathon 75 I'm like oh I'm like three-fourths out of a marathon done so it's about to get harder but I think it was definitely um me going ahead and just realizing that um you know I was gonna sacrifice a lot and it was gonna take a lot of work a lot of guts and 
kind of like I was just like are you completely in like I really talked to myself I was just like this is gonna get harder and I was just like well let's do it and obviously you know I think what got harder was as you're running more marathons back to back my body started to like get injured and there was this one time where I was running in Utah it was like a downhill marathon I was so I was going for a PR here I am thinking I could do a PR while doing back to back you know crazy but I was gonna go for a PR and I was just like I'm doing so good and I think I ran the first half of the marathon like I think it was like in 130 or so so definitely really good but as soon as I decided to stop because I was like, oh, I'm going so fast, I could relax. It's okay. Yeah. And so I go and I go to one of the restrooms. I stop. I get out. And two minutes after getting out of the restroom, I get a really, really bad cramp. I had never, oh, ever no. got it in my life. Never, like never. And I couldn't move my leg. My Basically, my foot kind of like, like the muscles of my foot went ahead and kind of crawled in. And then, like, my calf went ahead and kind of, like, popped to the side. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to, de- like, I'm not, I'm going to DNF. And I was just, I had never DNF a marathon. Yeah. I was like, I cannot believe it. And I think at that point when I was, like, crying of pain, and I was up in the mountain, by the way. There was really no, no one out there. Um, luckily, a police passed by, and they're like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, I need some lotion, any help, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. me and the paramedics came and they're like that's it it's over and I was like what what do you mean yeah and then I was like it can't be I was like I'm gonna go out there I'm gonna continue running you know oh I just need like, some lotion give me something that could help me and they gave me some lotion but it only had a little bit but um it helped me relax the muscle and whenever I would try to walk or run or anything any movement like my feet would go ahead and crawl back in mm-hmm. and basically the ligaments were like just pulling down again and again and literally worst thing I ever felt and that's when I was I kind of questioned myself like is this worth it like you're going ahead and kind of like pushing your body to like yeah. literally this point it's limits and it's like telling you it's doing all these things kind of in a way communicating to you like I need to stop and here I was stubborn I was like gonna keep going <laughs> And I just dragged my foot with a, I think it was like three, two months, two miles. I just dragged my foot. I couldn't even like step on it. So I had to go on the heel of the foot. And uh, luckily I had hokas, which are very cushion shoes. So, you know, it was just like the cushion on top of it. So then um, it was a lot of crying during that marathon. And then I had a time limit, by the way. So the time limit was six hours. And I still had to get it done. And yeah. but luckily, I ran the first half pretty so fast. Fun. Yeah. And I got to the time limit. I literally crossed that finish line six hours. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. But it was, you know, it was very hard because I literally just walked. And I tried jogging some of it. But at that point, that's when I realized I was just like, this is like my body is telling me to stop. And so I that was the one other point where I was just like should I keep going like I know I'm like in my 70s but should I keep going like I still have 25 ish left and I decided to like I think take two weeks off and then I was just like 
And after that, I kind of got traumatized there. I didn't want to run down. Downhill marathons like, are my favorite marathons. But after that, I got so traumatized, I didn't want to run downhill marathons. So whenever I would see a course with downhill, I would try to avoid it. And then five months later, no, like I think I only even five. It was like literally three months later. And I had a rebel race downhill in um, Nevada. I ran it. And even then, I felt the pain, like my feet coming back to crawl back. And I think it was just the downhill was causing that, but um, and a lot of stress. But obviously, uh, I ended up finishing the marathon. I did not DNF. And I think, you know, that's when I was like, damn. Like, I was one moment where I was just like, maybe my mom is right. And obviously, you know, also you're in like in a weaker mind space. And you're like, maybe everyone's right. Maybe I should stop. And, you know, it, it's kind of like those moments of defeat where you're like, maybe this is just not for me. And luckily I was able to get out of it. But, yeah, it was something that had to happen. And kind of like in a way you realize like, you know, it's just going to, it's part of the journey, you know? Yeah. If it was easy, it's not worth it, right? And even yeah. being at 75, you think, okay, 75% done, but it's, there's still a, like so many marathons to go after that. So you feel like you're in the home stretch, but it's, yeah, long way to go. So that is, oof. Downhill sounds lovely to me. I don't know. It's, I know it didn't work out for you, but that actually sounds really great. So <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. So I'm going to have to look up some downhill races. <laughs> I recommend them. I really do. You know, um, they're still my favorite courses, but I just try to run them a lot less now just because I know, like, I, I'm so not a little, I'm a little bit traumatized from it, but I re- really recommend it. If I could recommend one, it would be Rebel Big Bear. It's, you know, nearby. Yeah. And it's one of the most, it was the, it was, uh, I think it was a marathon with the most Boston qualifier for this year. Oh um, Rebel Big Bear. Yeah. So you should do it. <laughs> okay. That'll be my secret win to get into Boston. <laughs> okay. okay. So flash forward, not to just glaze over your final 25 but you it works out full circle your 100th marathon is going to be where you did your first marathon the LA marathon so what is that I know all of the like build up beforehand and LA marathon I feel like did such a good job of showcasing you and your journey and putting that spotlight on you which would have probably given me diarrhea like on the day of the race because of all (laughs) I just remember like everyone when I saw you coming out of Dodger Stadium like everyone's like surrounding you I'm like oh my stomach hurts I'm like nervous for her with all this pressure (laughs) like what is what is your mindset going into the race and and going through the marathon like just knowing what's waiting for you at the finish line you know the highlight was seeing you in the marathon you know you're gonna say you know like, no. Were you looking over no. your shoulder three miles back? When, when because... did I see her? You know, I was in, uh, I missed the five k, so you know, I wasn't able, able to meet up with you guys. But um, I, I decided to you know take care of my mental health at that point. So I did miss the five k. I was supposed right. to do it, but I was just so burnt out from everything going on. It was a crazy, crazy week, and it was probably like the most busy I have ever been. And to put it into perspective, I was still working, so I was still you know doing my job day-to-day job and a lot of things are going down into that week but yeah when I started the marathon um everyone was like oh my god this is it 100 and for me I think I kind of felt it like oh it's just another marathon you know yeah when I was starting I was like oh but then I started crying because I was like oh my god it's 100 like I got here I cannot because the goal was to make 
100 LA marathon. That was always a goal. And as much as there's other marathons that are bigger or, you know, have a lot more like media, like I really didn't like care about that. I just care about going ahead and finishing the marathon where it all started, which was the LA marathon and kind of going to go ahead and see all the people and kind of showcase that, you know, like I grew up in this community. I became this runner thanks to all of these runners too, you know, like I did not become myself just by me, but by getting inspired by other people uh, from my own community. So it was kind of like, I really wanted LA to be 100. And so when I got to that star line, I'm recording it. And I was like, I cannot believe it. This is it. This is my 100. <laughs> and I started running and I was like, oh, here we go again. Another one. <laughs> just then, another day. Yeah. And then, Obviously, it didn't hit me at that point. But then as I, I kept running, more people started saying, hi, hi, can, can I take a picture with you? And, you know, you're running a marathon. And I was like, yeah, let's take a picture. I was like, time for a break. So it was kind of like my excuse to, like, take breaks in between. <laughs> and, yeah, I just, uh, for my 100, I wanted to finish it with someone who had never ran a marathon. So I went ahead and started with four, uh, four with three girls who had never ran a marathon. And I was like, why don't you guys have to make it out with me? You know, the goal was for all of them three to finish with me. But, if, you know, things happen out there. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, hopefully one of them at least finishes with me. And, yeah, one of them was able to finish with me. Um, uh, and that was the goal to basically kind of, like, inspire other people that have never ran a marathon to see, like, you know, you can run a marathon. And yeah uh it was it was definitely the best one of the best days in my life and it was crazy it was I think for me I just really took in every mile and when I got to mile 25 that's when everyone was like Jocelyn one more mile and you hit your 100 and I was like I was just like oh that's so far especially with the hills like the incline like that last mile felt like 10 miles for me <laughs> yeah and funny enough I got a cramp mile 20 something mile 25.5 I think I got a cramp like on my like, leg yeah. I was like oh my god no way like I hadn't <laughs> I hadn't dealt with the cramp like in a long while in a race and I was just like okay gotta keep running oh well we're almost there and when I almost got to the turnaround almost there I see um coach david from la runners oh yeah he's like hey uh go on the left side and i was like okay i'll go on the left side like you know i had no idea the finish line that the la marathon had for me no idea not even a single clue the yeah. only thing that they request was like confetti i was like, i want confetti i mean <laughs> i just got confetti for 100 i was like that's all i want and literally i when i t- literally make the turn the right turn i see literally like the finish and then I see everyone's waiting for me like my mom like my family my mom then I see like all these cameras but I think the thing that kept like I always remember I saw the tape and yeah. I was like what yeah <laughs> it was definitely a moment where I was just like a tape. it was obviously you know only elites get to basically make that tape and I'll never get the tape I'll tell you that no you will you will you will you know have a virtual at home marathon and you'll buy the tape and in the ribbon and then I'll hold it for you so I'll pass it on the other end though it'll it'll have to be a marathon with a field of one and it'll be me (laughs) no 
no, no, you never know. You never know what could happen out there. You never know. Sometimes you just don't know who's going to show up to what you say, you know? That's true. Winning. I would need that's no one else to me. show up. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened with me, you see? I, I left the women because I don't know how it happened. But, yeah, at the end, you know, I, I crossed that finish line. And, yeah, I was obviously crying a bit. But um, I was so tired, too. Then no tears came out, you know, but I was crying. You're like, come on, tears. That was such an emotional race, even just, I think, for everyone after COVID and shutting down everything. I think to be at the starting line and like seeing familiar faces, seeing like all the ambassadors out there, and then the anthem plays, and you're like, oh my gosh, we're all back together. Like, we didn't know if this was going to happen or if it was going to get canceled. And so I think that's why this race, like obviously yours is on another level of like what it meant to you. But I think in general, this was just a really like emotional experience. I remember crossing the finish line and just feeling like that high where you're like, I'm going to commit to something really dumb right now. I'm going to say I'm going to do like an Ironman next because you're just feeling like invincible. And like (laughs) the next day I'm like on cloud, just like all happy as shit to myself. (laughs) And it was just like, and you're, I know Justin was saying he got to see you cross and I've watched the video so many times of you going through your, your tape and it's just so inspirational and just knowing everything that you went through, like from start to finish, it's unbelievable. And, and then I think you decided to do like seven marathons in seven days just for fun right after that. (laughs) You're like, that wasn't enough for me. I think you know something a tool came out of my head but no I think yeah it it just happened and you know funny enough during the marathon the LA marathon I saw Justin many times and the reason why I saw Justin so many times I know because you were right behind me but it was me and you were actually like running almost like close to each other very close because every single time you're like oh yeah she's just like 10 10 minutes out or so Every single time. And the reason why I also like recognized Justin was because the race director, that person who was taking care of Justin and driving him around, yeah, he, he's the race director for Big Sur International Marathon, which is like one of my favorite marathons. And so every single time I would try to high five the race director or like say hi to him. And then <laughs> Justin was there too. And I was like, oh man, no way. This is so cool. So it's so funny because I was like, I kind of knew where you were because they're like, oh yeah, she's minute, ten, 10 minutes out. She was like 20 minutes out or like 15 minutes out. So it's kind of like always kind of like. You were tracking me. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh my God, this is so cute. I'm like, how come no one does this for me? (laughs) He was there for you, obviously. No. (laughs) Well, I want to, I have to wrap it up. I could talk to you forever because there's just so many layers to you. But do you, so looking forward to LA Marathon again, which we have this quick, lovely four month turnaround to get back to it, but that's nothing for you. But do you have any goals for this weekend's race? Or are you just going to enjoy it? Yeah. You know, crazy enough, um, you know, no, no crazy goals. I was going to go ahead and improve this year, but um, I'm listening to my coach and he says, you know, I actually had to run this slow. I have a marathon. I finally got a coach starting um, February. And so I'm trying to go ahead and become a better runner, a stronger runner. Yeah. Um, I'm training for an ultra uh, 50 miler and then hopefully a 100 miler. Mm-hmm. So and now the whole goal is just to be like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's next on my docket as well. I'm going to just. <laughs> hopefully by the time you finish LA Marathon this time, you're like, you know what? I'm going to run a 50K. I don't know yeah. if that'll come out of my mouth, but no, something no. will. 
<laughs> I know it's true. It's crazy. Like you said, you cross the finish line and you're like a different person and you just yeah. say stuff and you don't mean it and you're all happy. And honestly, that's the time if anyone has bad news to share with me, like share it in that moment. Cause I'll probably receive it in such a positive <laughs> way because you really can't describe that, that feeling that comes over you. So you said after LA ultra is the goal. You have Boston coming up too. Yeah, I have Boston like in a month and then I have um, Big Sur a week after Boston. So like it's in the same week. It's Boston is Monday and then oh Big Sur is Sunday. Just... And then after that, yeah, it's, it's just the ultras that I'm going to focus on. So it's just right now, I'm just trying to, um, my coach said to run it just to enjoy it. And in a way, kind of like I'm dealing with some injuries. So hopefully I just don't get injured out there and basically to take it easy. So yeah, I'm gonna have fun to uh, like I'm gonna have fun this weekend. Definitely. Party pace, it's all yeah. Party pace is a pace to go. You say that, and then yours take off. Um, do you have, <laughs> do you have any before I let you go? Do you have any like quick tips for anyone running this weekend, whether it's the LA Big Five K or the half or the marathon? Just a quick little tidbit to leave everyone with. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're running the marathon, um, I think one of the things I would say, you know, just take it in. If you're running your first, it's going to be literally the most special, probably one of the most special days for you regardless. Um, but I think going ahead, going in, just hydrate, sleep in a lot. Um, if it's already race morning and you're hearing this, uh, it's too late now. No, really. You're screwed. <laughs> pray. Uh, just pray. <laughs> I just pray at that point, you know. No, I think, you know, just enjoy it. And, you know, if you have to walk the hills, walk, that's one of the things I always talk about. If you have to walk the hills, walk the hills. I always walk that hill in Hill Street, mile four around there by uh, Walt Disney Concert Hall. I always walk the hill. And I'm like, that hill, if I was to run, it would be dead and I wouldn't do as well and so sometimes it's good just to jog it take it easy and walk it and you know enjoy the course out there you know hydrate take every noon that you can take i i'm that kind of person who stops at every water yeah like water stops and every like noon station and i just drink everything i learned to stop and actually drink because one time i tried to do it while i was running and i choked on the water and then like my throat was raw for like five miles (laughs) i'm like okay (laughs) take the time to drink the water step to the side and drink (laughs) it's fine (laughs) it's fine it's a couple seconds you know and obviously you're able to just drink it i think that's it you know go ahead and walk the hills if you want if you can um and just enjoy it out there you know, drink, hydrate, and have fun. I think that's the biggest thing. Have fun out there. Enjoy it. It is 26.2 miles. and It's a long distance, but at the end of the day, you're out there to prove that you can do it and at the same time to have fun. So just enjoy the distance. I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of this busy week to chat with me. I can't wait to see you out at the expo and all the marathon festivities this week. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me, Courtney. Woo! Let's go. Marathon week. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. (laughs) We'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. Such a good conversation. A huge thank you again to Jocelyn for taking the time out of her busy race week and sharing her journey with us. She's just incredible. And I think you know, if you can get out and like she said, get out and cheer on a runner, even if you don't have a horse in the race. You don't have anyone running. Just get out there if you can and take the time on Sunday and cheer someone on and really just be a part of it. It really is 
such a showcase of our community and our city and it's something to celebrate. It's, it's, you won't regret it. You'll hate the traffic at some point, but you won't regret being out there. And if you're not in LA, you can sponsor a runner there. Our foundation has a running team and there are tons of other charities that are partnered with LA marathon. So you can feel like you're a part of it, or I don't know, in your neighborhood, sign up for a 5k or a 10k walk it, just experience it and, and get out there and try something new. You, you won't regret it. You might regret it the next day if you're sore, but you will definitely feel better for it. But that is going to do it for this week. And a friendly reminder, rate and review the podcast and click subscribe. So you do not miss an episode and I will be coming at you next week from Arizona, taking this party to the desert. So thanks again for listening. And I will talk to y'all next week. Bye.